Hello and welcome to Last Sons of Krypton, a Superman podcast. I'm Connor from the House of L, and with me I have... I am Tyler, the Superman Blue of the Krypton Report podcast. Yes, very special guest. Uh, thanks very much for coming, Tyler. Oh, no problem. Glad to be here. You know, I was able to swim out and get some air here from the uh, <laughs> the magical land of Ohio and yes. the States. So uh, Tyler has taken pilgrimage to Australia so we can talk about Smallville, which is set in America. Uh, I'm not sure. What, can't remember what state. Kansas. It's set in Kansas. Yeah, yeah. But but filmed in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, obviously not filmed in. They're all filmed in Vancouver. Um. Yeah, so Ray is going to be away for I don't know how long. He's off on family uh, business, so could be back soon, might not be. But, you know, I have a few people who volunteered to guests, so we'll have a colourful array of people regardless in the next few weeks. And uh, today we are covering Smoil, as you have seen. You You said array, (laughs) haha. Ray. Ah, I didn't mean to. I totally <laughs> meant to do that, actually, yes. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're diving into Smallville today. First time it's been covered on the show. Uh, we have, I let Tyler pick out the episode. I asked him to pick out a standalone one. He chose Season 7, Episode 5, called Action. Is it good? I did. Is it bad? I'll, Ooh, you'll have to wait. I, I picked this one, um, one, because I was trying to think, like you said, a standalone episode, right? And yeah. I was like, well, what kind of stands out? And I picked this one, honestly, because it has one of my favorite Clark Kent saves of all time. Mm. Just car? visually, I think. Yes. Yeah. At the beginning, I think, and if you watch, like, if you were watching this on, like, a DVD disc um, in the opening menu before, like, it actually gives you your menu, menu options. It's the yeah. last scene before it you know it says smallville season seven you can pick what episode and i picked it just because i love that scene and i think this episode is so on the nose that it's almost ridiculous but yet i like it because i love movies and making movies Hmm. and i'm studying and i'm studying to make movies but yet at the same time i think it's a little ridiculous (laughs) this episode oh i mean it's it's insanely on the nose but um i think (laughs) i was like yeah I was like, well, this one would be fun to talk about. I mean, I think the whole show is a bit ridiculous, you know? It's in a good way. It's ridiculous in a good way. Um, but uh, you have, you know, Kryptonite creating Monster of the Weeks, various mutations. Uh, I've, see, let's talk Let's talk about Smallville, shall we? Just a bit. Just yeah. Just about a little bit. So, for me, Smallville, like, the thing it does really well is kind of the hero's journey from Clark to Superman. I think, you know, that, yeah. that, that's the core of the show. It does it really well. Um, and then you have everything else, which is really crazy. <laughs> so th- everything else in the show, it kind of feels like a mix between the Superboy comics of the 50s and 60s and a soap opera. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's, uh, and, like, that's a very good, entertaining combination. Like, you have these insane plots going on, people kidnapping each other, um... You know, all these sort of love triangles. Uh, you remember the Lionel, Martha and Jonathan? I guess that was kind of a love triangle, but yeah. Um, yeah. Did, did they do a pink Krypton episode? No. 
Oh. Pink Kryptonite yeah. never came into play. But I mean, my thing is like I, when I when I show my wife Smallville and everything, I tell her about it. I'm like, it's good, and I really like it. It's my favorite Superman series because mm-hmm. uh, like just when it came out during my life, I was in high school, and by the time it ended, I had graduated college and had just gotten married. But I mean, it's spanned for ten years. Yeah, you're going to have some episodes that aren't great. <laughs> Um, you're going to have some stuff that's awesome. So you just kind of got to roll with it. Like, okay, not everything's, you know, perfect. 22 episodes for 10 seasons, though season seven was cut short because the writer's strike um, that they had. So, but it's not perfect, but it's great. Like, it's fun. Um, you know, my, my brother always had some issues that he was like, he told me one day, he's like, who's he going to fight when he's Superman? He's already fought everybody. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, in some regards, like you have to kind of make your peace with yeah. with certain elements that they change in the story and in the mythos. And and then they try to pull it all together at the end. And, you know, at first you might have gotten a little uptight about things, but then you just kind of like, you know what? They're doing their story. It's a little different. I'm mm-hmm. just going to sit back and enjoy it. And I, yeah. I, like I said, I very much enjoy the show. I like it. Um, I, I've always been more of a fan of the idea that super, like I, I never liked the Superboy idea of it being Clark Kent as a boy hmm. and wearing the full fledged costume and just one yeah. day being yeah. like I'm Superman. You know, it's kind of like because uh, it's kind of like that Spider Man thing idea where it's like he's like I'm Spider Man and they're like How old are you? Yeah. You know, I'm I'm 15, I'm 16, whatever, and you're like, "Oh, so you're Spider-Boy." No, I'm Spider-Man. Yeah. It's it's like on his 18th birthday, he's just like, "Okay, you will now call me Superman." Mm, no, we're still going to call you Superboy. And you're like, "No, no, Superman." Mm, no. Uh so I like the idea that it's Clark, you know, doing things using yeah. his abilities, growing into and accepting this mantle and, you know, embracing his history, embracing his symbol, uh, you know, not just, oh, I'm going to wear the costume as a child. I, I, I've always liked that kind of idea. So yeah. I was really behind this idea of Smallville, of him growing up. Yeah. So you, you really picked on um, something that uh, – okay, so – People remember, I, for the same reasons as you, I was, aside from, like, entertainment value and, you know, realizing it was a product of its time, in terms of mythos, Superman mythos, I've never been a fan of Superboy. For for the reasons you said, it's like, well, you know, Superman is supposed to be when he reaches this, you know, he's supposed to be a point in his life, Superman's where he becomes, you know... A man, so to speak, it's like his journey. But if he's Superboy, where does he have that growth and evolution into Superman? You know, mm-hmm. has he just been the same person since he was ten years old? Um, that was a big problem. And I don't know if you listen, but we actually uh, did an episode on a mini series called Superman: The Secret Years, mm. uh, which actually answered that question because. What it was about was the transition from Superboy into Superman. And, uh, spoiler alert, I guess, is 
you know, well, th- there was a transition. And that, that fixed Superboy a lot for me because I'm like, okay, mm. so the transition from Superboy to Superman was he had to make a hard choice. He had to choose between letting one person die or a thousand. And he had yeah. to make that choice. And that's when he became Superman, you know, and it was like a hard lesson and stuff. So I was much friendly on Superboy at that front. Um, but now we get to stuff like Secret Origins mm. where Jeff Johns has put Superboy back into the canon and it looks like... Uh, from what I, I haven't read any Doomsday Clock, but from what I've heard, it looks like Jeff Johns is making Secret Origin canon again through Doomsday Clock, it, which just annoys me. Um, I will say this. I will say this. It's not really a spoiler, okay? Doomsday Clock makes everything canon. Okay. And everything? It, it's and it's interesting. I I advise you to when you get a chance to read it. Uh, if you don't get to read anything, maybe I think you could. I think you could pull off reading issue ten as a standalone. I'm actually uh, going to read it. I'm just waiting um, for it to be finished. Till it's all done. Yeah, because issue ten is is where it touches on that, and it. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything for anything for anybody listening, but issue ten is the big Superman issue, and it's. I find it really. Jeff Johns has a way of being smart about how to make things work, even with multiple continuities and everything. Yeah. Um, so I find uh, the whole rebirth error and with Doomsday Clock points to the importance of Superman and what he really represents to the DC world. And um, I was going to mention, you know, the whole Secret Origins thing, just because, you know, it basically is like this time travel paradox where Superboy goes to the future and learns how to use his powers and all this. But yet it's a future that's inspired by Superman. Yeah. So it's kind of these people who idolize him are the ones who actually raise him in a sense. Mm. Uh, but I, I've always been more of a fan of like the idea of Superboy being Connor and then yeah. now Jonathan. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that so – be, I, man, I really can't wait to – Dis- like I really would love to discuss Doomsday Clock because <laughs> we, we, we've held off reviewing it or talking about it really because, uh, you know, we do want to talk about it in its entirety. But this yeah, past issue just taking a long time to come out. Oh, my gosh. It started like I look back. I was like, it started the same month. It started like November of 2017, right before Justice League, the movie came out. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> It was supposed to be monthly, you know, it was supposed to be a year-long journey, and he, uh, then it became, like, bi-monthly, and then it became, like, it's that one book yeah. that I go to my comic shop, and he's like, Doomsday Clock's out, I'm like, and I get excited, because I wasn't prepared for it, because I've just, like, given up keeping track of it, because yeah. it keeps changing, and I'm like, we got two issues left, I'm like, come on, you know, hopefully it'll be done before this year is over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely interested to read it because um, I I really that's that's the it's the funny thing with Secret Origin is I like every other uh, in continuity Superman origin I like all of them except <laughs> Secret Origin that's like the one I don't yep. like um, I, I I listened to you guys discuss it and I and the thing was I I paused and I said you know what 
I remember I bought that series as individual books. Yeah. And then there was like two in the series that I'm trying to remember which ones they were that I didn't get when they first came out because I had moved. So I had to track down and I got them and I remember reading them and I'm looking at my secret origins right now. Like it's on my shelf. And I remember loving the artwork, but I remember, I think it was book two with the whole Legion. I did yeah. not like, and I, and I was like, I been meaning to reread it, but I thought James and I talked about, you know, just kind of doing a quick review on it. Um, and I just remember thinking like, you can make it a long review by getting me to guest if you want. <laughs> I'll be like, now James and I have done our 20 minute review. Now Connor is going to rant for an hour and go. Um, but I, I've, I will say this. I've never been a Legion fan. Yeah. I just, I don't, the Legion of Heroes is just, I like the idea of the Legion of Heroes. Totally. But it's just never been something I've been like interested and invested in. Uh, I've tried watching the cartoon. That they did where you know it's got superboy in it and it's fun and it's something sometimes just to play something different with the kids in the background yeah um but it was never you know something yeah. i'm like oh my gosh the legion's coming to supergirl <gasps> the legion is on smallville yeah the legion may one day get its own series i'm just like oh i i don't care i and that i'm in the exact same boat as you except i never tried to watch a cartoon but um and which is kind of heresy in a lot of Superman circles, I'd imagine. Uh, not liking yeah. the Legion, but you know what can I say? Um, yeah, I think it's just like if, if anyone ever asks you who your favorite Superman is, just say George Reeve. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'll get your pause in every Superman circle. Yeah, everyone will be like, "Oh, okay, I got you." Or I mean, say Kirk Allen. They're like, "Oh, respect." Yeah, like, yeah, he was the first, you know, yeah. and then that'll just. That'll just let you pass by. If <laughs> like, you say Henry Cavill, you might meet some chilly reception. If you say Crystal Reeve, same thing, less likely. Yeah, everybody's still... like, of course. Everyone's like, of course. Like, you have no opinion of yourself. And yeah. Um, but you, you say George Reeves, everyone's like, well. And because everyone loves George Reeves, he's great. So everyone's yes. going to respect the George Reeves. And, opinion. like, he, he is the one that everyone's. I don't want to say everyone. Most people think is the first. Like, my dad. Yeah. Like, he didn't even realize there was, a, like, the Kirk Allen stuff. So. One day, I yeah. he looked at a picture I had hanging up. And he's like, "Who's that?" I'm like, "Oh, the first Superman." He's like, "What?" I had to, I had to educate, um, <laughs> you know. So yeah. it's just it's just one of those things that you have your fans of everything, and some people, like I said, I like the idea of the Legion. I like the idea of Superman inspiring on into the future, um, but there's just never been the Legion stories, and I think sometimes yeah. I get. I get to the point where things get so cosmic and so space adventure that I lose connection to the material. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, did you ever read the Lois and Clark miniseries that was uh, Superman and Lois when they – who, after Convergence, it was the Superman and Lois that had John? Um, no. So – I'm reading Bendis' stuff, but in terms of continuity, I last I jumped off at the end of Morrison's Action Comics run, mm. so I have all that new. Because at, at one point I do want to go through Rebirth and New Fifty Two. I'm just not sure how long it'll take me. Um, I, feel, I, I will tell you, for the most part, like I have, I read it all, and 
I bought Superman during the New 52, but it was hit and miss. Mm. Uh, but I read it all. Thank you, libraries. They're great resources. Always plug the library. Definitely. Um, but I liked Grant Morrison's Action Comics run because I liked the idea of Superman like with the T-shirt, and I liked the idea mm. – I liked the idea of his New 52 suit being that it's actually Kryptonian armor. And I was like, it's just it connects him to his heritage. Yeah. You know, it make it makes his suit more to his heritage and connects him back to Krypton. And, you know, there were some stories in the New 52 that were interesting. Um the the Superman Doomed jumps out at me. Um I've heard really good things about that. I wish it had done more, mm. but it was it was really good. Um but I read towards the the end right after they did Convergence and then I, I jumped back as they were doing like kind of winding down the new 52 um, because they were bringing that Superman stories to a close. Mm. And then it's when they launched that Lois and Clark book, which would be the, the Clark that we would get starting in Rebirth. Yeah. So basically, basically from the Convergence mark, on i've read and have every superman book okay um and even that lois and clark superman miniseries thing i didn't get it until it was actually done i had to go back and find the individual issues and buy them and i loved it because all all this to say that i i really like when superman's a little bit more for lack of a better term grounded i like this this being that's godlike, that's so big, but yet helping and solving and working on small scale stuff. Yeah, that he's really showing. I mean, going back to Action Comics one, you know what he's doing with all of his mm. powers. Um, yeah. that's one reason. Back to Smallville, as I like sometimes Clark busting up the local drug ring, yeah. or stopping common crooks, or um, you know, saving people from small things. He's not, you know, fighting Zod in space. Like he's doing some average hero work on the street. Yeah. And it, it's it's nice to see Superman in that capacity sometimes. And, um and having those type of stories where I don't everything doesn't have to be Superman saving the galaxy from something. Mm. It can be Superman just um, you know, putting out some fires and you know, <laughs> can imagine Ray pulling his hair out at the thought of Superman saving people from fires, but um, Ray well, has you, an issue with burning buildings in Metropolis. <laughs> like that scene in Superman Returns where he's watching all the news reports, and they just there's a fireman. You see him just fly by and uses his yeah. super breath, waves to the camera, and flies off. Like you know that kind of stuff. We're just like, oh, yeah. thanks, Superman. We're glad you're here. <laughs> That that stuff is great. I mean, I'm I'm a big uh, I'm a I'm a big uh, vocal lover of the Golden Age Superman, but uh, I really love I love every year of Superman. How can you not at Superman? But uh, I mean, even even when it's bad, like there's something to take away from it because it just points yeah. out why is it bad? What did they do that made this bad? Um, yeah. and so. I have a comic. I don't remember which one it is. That's it was it was released in the late '90s. That um, was it. Basically, told the whole history of Superman up until he turned to Superman like blue with all the energy. Yeah. Now it's like it's a great summary, but you can see in there where you're like, ooh, okay, 
this was definitely a Superman misstep. Or, oh, I love what they did here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I. it's funny hearing you talk about the cosmic, because I, I really love the cosmic stuff. I love Superman traveling galaxies and stuff, and I actually wish there was more of it. <laughs> um, I just, what, I, what I had hoped when Bendis, and he's kind of done this, um, and I, I, I like it and I can respect it, it was... And they kind of did this some in the New 52 as well, where it's like one Superman book is kind of him on yeah. Earth, and one is kind of him doing that stuff. And I like that. Because I think that's then the I way get, to do it. I, and I get my balance. You know, yeah. um, I get my Superman out in space. Because I guess when he's in space, I'm always kind of like, oh, you know, what if he lands on a planet with a yellow sun or a red sun? Or what if his he doesn't have a yellow sun and his powers go away? Now he's just back to being a regular Kryptonian. He's not you know, Superman anymore. He's just depowered man. Yeah. Um, I always get that kind of hesitation because so much of his abilities are depends on the dependent on, on earth, you know, yeah. like, you know, so when he leaves earth, like when he would go to apocalypse or whatever, I'm like, technically does he have his powers? I guess it depends on a, obviously with Superman's powers, it always depends on the writer, but B, I think a lot of the time, I think he just stores up the solar energy, um, mm-hmm. in his body. Uh, have you read Superman Exile? Yes. It's uh, where he, well, he exiles himself, hence the title, but he's just travelling through space with all these various and weird locations. This might be my favourite Superman story, actually. Um, he's just teleporting throughout space. And I don't know, it's really good. No, um, I, I think I have, but it sounds familiar, but I don't own it, so I need to look it up. It's kind of like, I like... I used to buy a lot of stuff, and I still do in trades. It's kind of like when they did Superman Grounded. I liked the first volume because yeah. I liked I liked him connecting with people. I liked the idea of him like just seeing the world from on foot and kind of experiencing it, helping some people. But then for some reason, when we got to the second volume, it lost everything that I loved in the first. Mm. And I was like, ah, now you just like destroyed the story that I was liking. Yeah, um, and. And like I said, back to Smallville. Yes. <laughs> always just, go back to Smallville. Um, always hold on to Smallville. Yes, always hold on to Smallville. That's what it was. And Jonathan Kent's favorite last words to Clark in the series. And a podcast that I have been on a couple, uh, four times now. Yeah, because I've been on once every season. Um, a retro respective Smallville podcast. Oh, so they're still but, going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he yeah. just wrapped up season four, and now they're about. He's about to kick off season five. Okay, so are they are they Superman fans or are they Smallville fans? If that uh, if that makes sense, it does make sense. But yeah, the guy who runs it, Zach, he uh, smooth small much like me. Smallville was like a big part of his life and like his big like defining Superman. You know, yeah, it's like I like when you're talking about who's your favorite. Like if everyone asked me, Tom is my favorite, even yeah. though technically he's never Superman. Um, but yeah, back yeah. to our episode. <laughs> yes, we kinda... so we're in we're in season seven of Smallville, which is towards the latter end, um, which is actually I, I like the latter end of Smallville because at one point it pretty much just becomes a Superman show. So it does. Um, and my wife, I tell everybody, my wife, if I say, "Hey, I want to watch Smallville," she will say, "Okay, uh, seasons eight, nine, and ten are her favorites to watch because she yeah. loves Lois on the show." And she really can't stand Lana. Oh, so she, God, Lana. I can't. So she, 
so she will watch any of those last seasons with Lois with me. Uh, you know, because especially season ten where they really let Lois and Clark blossom and do their thing together. Yeah. So she and I'm like, you know what? I agree, but I I can respect it all. I love it all. Um, and I want to say this one thing real quick is listening and being part of the Always Hold On Small Smallville podcast put some things in perspective that I had thought about before but kind of forgot was if you look at Smallville and I, I said this like three volumes, you have seasons one through like four is volume one. Season four, five, or sorry, five, six, and seven as volume two, and eight, nine, ten as volume three. Mm. Because there is season one through four have this common core with him being in high school and a shared mythology. Season five and six is, is when you have, um, and I hadn't thought about this time, when they really embrace iconic Superman, because that's when Superman Returns came out. And DC wanted the Smallville Superman and to kind of reflect that okay. because there's a, there's a lot of stuff in those first four seasons where they feel like they're building their own identity and mythology of the character. Like he has the Kawachi Caves instead of the fortress. Mm. The, 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 you know, they're not really doing the crystals um, in that very Richard Donner Superman. But yeah. when Superman Returns comes out, it kind of changes Smallville's landscape. Um, yeah. So it makes that, you know, five, six, and seven, those three seasons, uh, have this kind of not in high school, still on the farm, still trying to grow up. But then eight, nine, and 10 is where he basically, he moves to Metropolis. Yeah. Uh, stays in Metropolis. Um, and it's focused more on Metropolis, even though he does go back to the farm. But that's when you have the new producers that took over, the new showrunner. Lois is there almost all the time in eight. And then she officially like is in every episode nine and 10. Um, and there's, and you know, of course eight, nine and 10, you know, Lana's in it as a special guest in season eight. Yeah. And then Lex is gone. So yeah, it's, it, it's, 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 it goes back to that really is being a journey of Clark. Yeah. It is kind of funny because I I can't stand Lana, like I I really can't, and I, I think the writers had an unhealthy obsession with her. But um, I agree, it, and it's one, it's one of those characters that overstayed their use. Exactly, like she was fine initially, but then it just then it started becoming about her instead of Clark sometimes, and it's just like. Ugh. She's not. She wasn't, you know, done that well to boot. Like the whole witch thing and stuff. It's just like, uh... but Lex is my absolute favorite in the show. Yes. Um, but like my favorite seasons are the ones without Lex, also because they don't have one. <laughs> so. And it's it's another thing is you know Lex, for the point that they were telling in Smallville, he served his purpose, and for, and by removing him, yeah. allowing. Clark to grow, and then the way they brought him back and reinserting him back in the story, you know, makes makes sense. And it's just one of those things where you have a great actor that you like, but you know, on a TV show, actors are contracted and stuff, so you can't just say, "All right, man, we're going to drop you this season, but we pick you back up next season." Yeah. Um, so you have to 
have them. And so you get these reoccurring storylines or things where you're just like, oh, man, I, I love this character, but I really feel like he's or she's really run their course. Like they no longer serve yeah. a, a point in the narrative. And then it's just like, then that's what Lana became is. Yeah. And everybody was obsessed with Lana. Like there was like no other woman that mattered in Smallville. Yeah. Every, every, every dude was obsessed with her. Um, it just, it really just came off as the right, like, I'm like, do the writers have a crush on her or, you know, like, um, because it got to the point of absurdity, uh, where I was like, I think this is the only TV show where I've actually skipped scenes sometimes. Um, because if I saw a Lana scene in the cafe, I just kind of, well, I didn't skip, but I didn't really pay attention, you know, and I can't think of any other TV show I've done that with. Um, no, I, I, I got you because there's, there's little things where you're just like, I don't, I don't need this in this episode or we could do something else or, uh, but, uh, you know, this, this show is the best live action Lex to date. Easily, yes, I think it's not like they have. He has that much competition. Um. All right, real quick, your top top three Lexes in live action, or yep. Uh, all right, so well, Michael Michael Rosenbaum, then Kevin Spacey, um, then. Lex from Superman vs. the Atom Man, probably. Nice. Because, uh, like, just um, Jesse Eisenberg and Gene Hackman don't even rate on my Lex portrayals. Gee, to, to me, I like Gene Hackman. But I, I will say this. He doesn't make my top three because he's not the Lex character I grew up with. His Lex is, you know, pre- uh, Man of Steel comic reboot where he's just a mad scientist. But he's not even not, as good as that Lex. He's he's a fun Lex, but he's not the the Luthor that I, I've come to know. If that makes sense, it, it does. But even like Silver Age Lex and everything, I don't think Gene Hackman was a good anything Lex. Because um, I love Silver Age Lex, but uh, you know, it's just I just thought he was bad. Like on all levels, um, but uh, Eddie, who, who are you? T- what are your top three Lexes then? Number one, Rosenbaum. Like yep. anyone who says anything different, we need to have a conversation. <laughs> um, number two, and this one surprises me, but if you've seen the episodes, you would understand. Is John Cryer? Um, really? From, and. It, have you watched the Supergirl episodes with him? Uh, no. I haven't watched it's, since Crisis. He's seen three or four – three episodes and – three or four. Crap, I can't remember. But the first episode he's in, I'm like, okay, all right. But then when he pulls a something-something and you get to actually see him lex out, for lack of a better term, yeah. You're like, wow, I am shocked because I was even shocked like after discussion and thinking about it. I'm just like, man. And then uh, John Shea from Lois and Clark, I think he did a really good Lex. Oh, yeah. 
I haven't seen enough Lois and Clark, honestly. Um, I liked Kevin Spacey, but I feel like Kevin Spacey was beholden to trying to be Gene Hackman evil. Which I think is the biggest shame in the world, um, because I think Kevin Spacey... Look, yes, we all know Kevin Spacey did those nasty things. That's not relevant yes. to this conversation. Just yeah, putting we're not that talking about that. Um, yeah, exactly. I'm right behind you. Uh, I think Kevin Spacey is like a perfect choice for Lex Luthor. And you saw those flashes of brilliance when he was allowed to do his own thing in Superman Returns. And for that reason alone, he rates up there. And I just, I really wish that we got him, you know, for like the uh, Batman v Superman or something, you know, where he got to be his own Lex. Um, but, uh, you know, such is life. Yes. So, such is life. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you, uh, actually, look, let's not get into that. That can, that can be fair. I was about to ask how you feel about Jesse Eisenberg, but this is the Smallville episode. We should stick to that. <laughs> the, the quick comment is the idea was there, but the execution was off. Yeah. And I'll just leave it, I'll leave it at that for now. I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, I will mention, I actually met Michael Rosenbaum. At a con, and I got him to sign this absolutely ridiculous picture um, that I gave him. I'll post it on the page, but I just want to say he is like a super nice and hilarious guy in real life. So don't be scared of <laughs> saying hi to him. <laughs> don't, don't be scared of Lex. Yeah, don't be scared of Lex because Lex is awesome. Lex is real life. Lex is definitely nicer than real life Superman. Uh, Tom Welling, I mean, um, but that Tom Welling is not nice. But Lex is just you know. He's really nice. So, have you ever had the fortune of meeting anyone from the Smallville cast at a con or anything? Nope. I I'm I was supposed to go. Uh, we were supposed to go to Cleveland when they had it would have been a photo session, and it was expensive. But my wife was like, "Oh, that's cool." But in natural history, even though I reminded her, she forgot we were supposed to go, and made uh, other commitments. Um, but it was going to be then the divorce followed. I, I assume. <laughs> no, no. Um, it was Michael Rosenbaum, Tom Welling, and uh, John Glover, and then eventually, and then um, John Glover uh, too. Nice. Yeah, it was all three of them. But then uh, I think it was Alana Huff ended up joining too, uh, who played Black Canary. Because there, there was a fourth one, but it wasn't like a main cast member showed up. Yeah, she wasn't uh, in it much showed up at the con and it was just like oh man like just another smallville person but yeah we were gonna go and get like it was i mean it was like two hundred dollars to get your photo but oh it was like all three all three of them and we just got our tax money back so i was like babe, babe. Uh, okay i was like all three of them we can get up to four people so we get the whole family in there i'm like i'm like come on and she's like yeah we'll go and then she just forgot I think she forgot. Wait, now I think about hmm, maybe she planned it. I don't know. Oh, yeah. We'll go have. We'll Nefarious. go have. <laughs> but uh, I want to eventually. I'll try you'll, to. If they you'll get, get close. the opportunity again because I mean, for I God's sake, they come to, to Australia a lot. So I was supposed to get my picture done at a meet and greet. I had one. I was going to be with James Marsters, who played Brainiac in season five, and uh, then yeah. uh, he was also Spike on Buffy. Yeah, and I was pumped to meet him because I loved him as Brainiac, just uh, and just everything he's been in. Um, he was but, a surprisingly good Brainiac. 
He has the forehead for it. <laughs> he he just has that like other I don't know like sophistication that works too. Yeah. I just sent you the picture um, on Skype. Um, oh, dope. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. He found it quite amusing. Um, that's awesome. I got him to write, I know your secret on everything I got him to sign. So, um, yeah, no, you'll definitely come across them. I mean, they, they visit Australia every year. I'm sure they're all over the place in America constantly. So, and uh, Tom Welling confirmed he did actually get uh, offered Superman on Supergirl. He didn't take the role. It's a shame. I, I, it is a. It's one of those. It is a shame. But I respect that he didn't, because yeah. I'm a I'm a I'm a continuity person, okay. And then I'm like, because ah, I look at like the actor as this character, and even in a multiverse, how is Kara on this planet, Melissa, and on this one, it's uh, Laura, but yet yeah. the same Superman. Like it just it, it like ah, it to me I'm like. Let each actor kind of do their own thing and their own continuity because then it's like, oh, well, if he's Superman here and here, does that mean these are connected? And you're like, no, but – yeah. anyways. I mean, small I still would have loved to see him there. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like I would love to have seen it. Like it's just – it's one of those like, ah, like I really want to see it. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm glad you didn't, but I would have loved to have seen it. I think if he, I think if it was him, it, he would have been written differently than uh, Paolo Hoechlin's Superman. He would have because he would have been bringing all that weight of Smallville behind him. Yeah, he he wouldn't have been a loser. Sorry, <laughs> T- Tyler yeah. knows my opinion on other Tyler. <laughs> yes, yes, I do. <laughs> I, um, I apologize. I just I'm not over the crisis crossover yet. It's it's really in crisis, especially as it just. It's one of those, like, this is Supergirl show, and they've really made sure that she's prominent and that Superman is the in the background. I mean, they're he, in the same room. He steps aside. Together, you know, and everyone says to Supergirl, you're my favorite Kryptonian. And I'm like, Superman's right there, guys. I don't know. It was just... That's what... That's why I like when, like, the little stuff, the Flash is like, your, your cousin, like, as in... Yeah. It's like, and he's like excited. And then when, you know, Green Arrow meets him, he's trying to like puff up his chest. Like, yeah, <laughs> what? And it's like, yeah, you're not going to hold a candle to Superman, bro. Yeah. Um, but action. <laughs> yes. Let's hold on to Smallville <laughs> while we have time. So action. Right. So I, this was, this aired October 25th, 2007. Uh, it was written by Mazzy Almas. Sorry if I mispronounced that. Not edited by. It was directed by. And it was written by Carolyn Dries. And uh, so I'll start reading out the synopsis here. Also, I'm not going to put music in the background of this because when it's... Uh, actually, I might. I don't know. It depends. Uh, while filming takes place on the Warrior Angel movie on the Kent farm, Clark saves lead actress Rachel Devonport from a car crash. After some researching by Chloe, it is discovered that someone is trying to kill Rachel because they believe her character should die like she does in the comics. Uh, yeah, we'll leave it at that. That's like the whole first yeah, chunk of the episode. Um, that's 
that's pretty much the episode. I mean, the yeah. um, there's some subplot stuff in here that I think is a little muddy. Yeah, um, not particularly relevant, I suppose. No, it's relevant to the arc of the series, but it's still, you know, the main chunk is that, and that's yeah. what makes it kind of a standalone. And I wanted to talk this episode, too, because just the whole concept of Warrior Angel mm. is, is you know, very prominent in Smallville as being this basic comic – in continuity comic book character that is this f- allegory for Clark it's and – It's pretty Lex. much Superman. It, I mean, it, oh my gosh. Like, yeah. let's just get to it. <laughs> Warrior Angel has the red cape. Um, yeah. He, he his history his origin is so much kind of Clark's. Uh, the Warrior Angel symbol is like a W with like angel wings. It looks like the Wonder Woman symbol. Oh, it looks so like the Wonder Woman symbol. Yeah, I think that was like his little Easter egg they put in. Um, and you know the villain is Davilicus, which is a pretty actually op- awesome comic book name if you're trying to like totally create. A comic book name for like the way comics were written back in the day. Um, it's Davilicus. Yeah, with a name like that, like it's the villain, but straight up. Um, and yeah. I just just for the opening of this, where it's like they're making this character. They basically have the real Warrior Angel, and the idea that they're shooting Warrior Angel stuff on the kid farm because Warrior Angel was like from a farm. Like it's just so on the nose. Yeah. Where you're just like, why, why are you making a movie on the Kent Farm? Like, <laughs> seriously, Clark, like you, with all the stuff that happens around you and trying to keep reporters out and fighting a movie set studio to your farm. Yeah. You're okay with this? And it's, it's like, there's no hint at it. There's no dialogue or anything building up like, oh, they're going to film a Warrior Angel movie. It's going to film in Smallville. Like, there is nothing. It's just all of a sudden the episode starts and you're like, what, what is this? Yeah. Like, wait, they're filming a movie? Wait, it's a warrior? What? Like, it's there's no lead-in in any prior episode. It just kind of drops us into it. Honestly, I, I didn't mind that at all. I thought it was fun. You know? Like, oh, he's just, you know, filming. I don't know. I, I, I didn't read too much into it at all. I, I mean, that's what, I think it, like, it's fun. It's just so odd because I'm like, man, you're like the most <laughs> private guy who doesn't. And then you then have there's, like, yeah. There's a scene like, you know, so the opening scene is them filming and then um, Rachel's car is rigged and the actress playing the main character and she goes flying out. And it's one of my all time favorite Smallville like scenes of him saving someone because the car flips and like he runs up. Yeah, it's an catches awesome her, scene. catches her like he's down on one knee, like and he slides towards the camera and the car bounces around behind him. It's just it's epic. And I, I've always really just loved the way that scene is shot. Yeah. And. And it's just kind of like, OK, there's cameras everywhere, people watching. You saved her. And then we get a scene a little bit later where I guess they're done filming for the day or they're done filming on the Kent farm. And he's out uh, putting posts in the ground for the farm. I'm like, bro, you're just shoving them down with your arms. Like there could be people around, (laughs) you know? Yeah, someone wants to stay behind or something. Or, you know, like scouting equipment, like 
because they're filming around. Like it's it's definitely a possibility that somebody could see you do something. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But Lana's living on the farm. Yeah, lovely Lana. <laughs> this this is like the one season where they actually try to give them a chance to actually blossom as a couple. Yeah. Like season five and then season seven, they really tried to give them the opportunity to see if they could, you know, that that's kind of their time to be. This is, yeah, this is where they were a couple. Yeah. Um, and you, and you don't have to know all that to really like enjoy this episode. Like, no, what you, the, so getting this out of the way, there's a small subplot with Lionel Luther being held, and it's basically the plot of misery from Stephen King. Yeah, and and that's where the soap opera aspect comes in as well, because there's this absolutely insane scheme happening with these other characters. Um, and you find out Lana's the one that's holding <laughs> Lionel. Yeah, it's Lana. But it's not some crazy person. Um, it's not Lex, like always, you know. So, and that's, I mean, that's really, really small in this episode. Um, you know yeah. the. It's just worth mentioning. Just to throw that out there. Yeah, uh, I mean that, that's the whole thing that happens. Uh, you know, it was. It. I mean, seeing John Glover's John Glover's always good. So, you know, because Lex. Oh Hina, yeah. Um, is absolutely fantastic. Uh, but yeah, that that happens exactly as you described it. There's not much else. He escapes with Lex's help, actually. At the end, and uh, Lionel knows it was Lana that did it. He's like, you know, you can't yeah. fool me. You're a Luther, because <laughs> Lana was previously married to Lex, and she seems to have inherited some of the Luther scheming. And you know what? Uh, I've said this before. By the time that we get to that relationship in season six with Lana and Lex, personally, I would have just been okay if they just would have left it and let Lana go bad, and it been another example of Clark turning a friend bad. Because of not really of lying to them for all those years. Yeah. Uh, I know it's not canon, but you know technically uh, Lana was supposed to end up if we're going Smallville came with Pete Ross, and that didn't happen either. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I see that. I I feel like I don't like the fact that Lex turned bad because of Clark as it is. I don't either. Um, because it it does make Clark out to be a jerk. But it, uh, it's 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 how Clark feels for most of the series yeah. until like I, until the like the last season he makes peace with the idea that no matter what he would have done Lex would have been this Lex would have turned out this way he would have yeah and watching gone. the show I don't feel that I you don't feel what that Lex would have been evil or that it's yeah Clark's I, fault. I, I don't feel that Lex would have been evil regardless I think the arguments there to be made that he would not have been evil um like he does he does so much good stuff and he, he is like a really good person for such a long time in the show you know um it, it's a slow descent i guess although you gotta love what is it the first season some chick reads his future then dies <laughs> yep because <laughs> she's so horrified by what he becomes um, yep cassandra yeah uh, um, cracks me up. It was great though. Was well, awesome. see, I just love the I love the first season where you you get a chance to explore Clark and Lex's friendship, but it's a very weird friendship. It <laughs> like is. It seems a lot of times one sided. 
Like they don't ever just like, hey buddy, you want to like catch a movie or hang out, you know? Like, um, yeah, be but kind of like the way Pete and Clark are. But that's that's because uh, yeah, I was because coming back to this episode, Clark and Lex only get like one scene together. Yeah, and it's a great and that's scene. Where, <laughs> and that's where it, that's where this you know season has gotten us because Clark goes to Lex and he basically um, there was a note left by somebody on the Warrior Angel film set that was, you know, had a line and Clark goes to Lex. He's like, You're the biggest Warrior Angel fan I know and Lex's like, I haven't read a comic book since we were friends, Clark. Yeah, which that, he, this is really he obvious. Says, he says, Back when I looked at uh, good and evil is black and white, and then I learned it was really gray. Yeah. And Lex walks over to his wall and Another one of those, those secret Lex Luthor panels in his mansion where he touches it and, like, out pops his Warrior Angel comic collection. And he's like, issue five, where Devilicus decides that Warrior Angel needs to be a hero, something about uh, can't have attachment, needs to be in solitude, and he kills Warrior Angel's love. Hmm. But in the movie version, they found out in the script that Warrior Angel saves yeah. his love from being shot by Devilicus. Um, which, uh, you know, triggers the bad guy. Which triggers the guy who's like, no, that's not right, which yeah. is completely psychotic. Yeah. Um, um, that you're mad that the movie is doing the character a little bit different and changing something. You know, and it's, it could be a could be a commentary on fans just i i do want to talk the commentary is obviously the meat of this episode really uh i do first i would like i'd like to talk about that scene with lex yeah yeah and lex's lex's whole thing with warrior angel like it's very on the nose as he said but it is interesting how lex was like the number one fan of essentially this universe's superman comic and then when he stops being friends with clark he stops reading the Superman comic. Like, I, th- I thought that was interesting, even though it was on the nose. I thought it was done well. Um, mm-hmm. I really liked that aspect of the character. I agree. I also think it's interesting how... I can't remember what episode it is, where where Lex, you know, basically states, he goes, I am the villain of this story. It's like, you know, he at first he identifies with Warrior Angel, yeah. But then it's like he slowly starts to realize he's Devilicious. He's Devilicious. Yeah. 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 It's very it's meta. Just, yes, um, and that's that's the whole thing with Warrior Angel is it's so meta. Yeah. It's so on the nose of like, okay, all right. There's not. It's not even allegorical. Like it's just straight up. Like this is it. I'm surprised there wasn't a cover of Warrior Angel smashing the car from Action Comics One. Because I was right? actually expecting that. <laughs> Um, exactly. Yeah. So the, I mean, I love Lex. I mean, just just watching this episode, his acting, his delivery, he puts so much weight behind each line he does. He's just he's so sinister. He has such presence in this show. It was just a real pleasure going back and watching the Luthers again in this because it's been a couple of years since i've seen this show but it was a real pleasure even though even though lex wasn't in this episode much he was still my favorite thing about it um yeah but i mean yeah he's 
He's great in every scene he appears in. Yeah. And you got to love the scenes with Clark and Lex in the mansion where they're making, like, veiled statements at each other. It happens so many times, but I love it every time they do it. <laughs> There's like, so many times this, where... But I really mean this. <laughs> There's so many times where Lex is just like, Clark, you're no longer welcome as my friend and my property. And he's like, whatever, Lex. And then it'll come back later. Uh, good stuff. Um, it, it is. It, it, it sucks that they're not friends though, because in Smallville you really want them to be friends, mm-hmm. uh, which is why it's really frustrating that so much of the division comes from Clark's side. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I can't remember the exact points, but overall, I still have the impression that Clark's the one who kind of ruined their friendship, especially from the influence of Jonathan as well, who I thought treated uh, Lex really poorly. Right, and that's where we could go back and, like, it would almost be fun to kind of go back and, like, just watch the and point out, like, oh, this scene could have been better for Lex. Like, maybe if they had done something here, Lex would have been different. Or, you know, this was... They could have really saved Lex had they been... Yeah. Open to him, but no, like they treated him this way. So of course he's going to go this way. Yeah. I mean, Lex was a freaking victim a lot of the time until he became a villain. And when he became a villain, he went full evil, which was good. There was no like gray area. He was just straight up evil and you want that. But before that, he was just the victim of a lot of prejudice and because Jonathan was essentially heaping his hateful Lionel onto Lex and encouraging Clark's distrust of him, and I don't know. I, I just feel so bad for him. Um, no, you're it, absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, I just, it's just, is it a flaw of the show? I mean, because it's like, it makes Lex a tragic villain, but it just, it makes Clark look bad, and Clark's supposed to be Superman, right? So. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, and I think it's kind of, uh, it's kind of, like I said, on the nose, in the sense of Clark blames himself for Lex, even though it's not his fault, but it's always been kind of this Clark. Yeah. Um, his his issue is he blames himself, just like you know, one of the, in the first seasons and everything, he has this huge burden of it's his fault that mm. Lana's parents were killed because it was the meteor shower that he came in, even though that has no con- he has no control on that. But he blames himself. Um, you know, he blames himself for the troubles of Smallville because of the meteors. Like it's just this burden that's laid at him that he has to deal with and overcome throughout the show's run. That it's not his fault. He didn't do anything. Yeah. To 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 make it like you know, I mean, if anyone's fault, it's Jarrell's fault. But that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> Good old Jarrell, Terrence Stamp. Dude, I, I, I have never really been happy with a portrayal of Jarrell. Really? Uh, um, Russell Crowe, I like, um, but Jarrell is always supposed to be. He's supposed to look like Clark and mm. be a a very similar appearance to his son. 
And I don't feel like they've ever cast anyone that looks like they could really be Clark's dad. Like I said, Russell Crowe is the closest. Um, and I like the voice of Jarrell, Terrence Stamp. But then when Jarrell actually shows up in season nine, it's horrible. Hmm. Uh, it's horrible on Lois and Clark. It was not too bad in the adventures of Superman back in the fifties. Um, I can't yeah. remember the actor's name off the top of my head, but it. I mean, Marlon Brando did a great performance, but he doesn't look like he's Christopher Reeves' And they gave him the white hair, which, you know, that's only been in the movies. Like, in the comics, he's always looks like he could be Superman Clark himself. Hmm. So, just, I mean, yeah. this probably doesn't count, but uh, my favorite Jor-El is the animated series. Yep, I was getting there. Uh, scientist say, Man of Action. Yep, I was getting there, but that was my favorite Jarrell as well. Sorry for beating you to the punchline. <laughs> nope, perfectly fine with being beat to the punch. Um, so yeah, I just I've never been really happy with a portrayal hmm. of Jarrell. Yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, I guess our opinions just differ with Marlon Brando because I. I can suspend my disbelief enough to believe that Marlon Brando is kind of descended. Sorry, that uh, Chris Reeve is descended from Marlon Brando. I mean, it's not perfect, but you know, it's, same I mean, with I Russell Crowe. I can like I, I can go with it. It's one of those like okay, yeah. it's Brando, it's good, but it's not exactly what I think of when I think Jarrell. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's fair. But that brings us back to Smallville. <laughs> yes. So I I do love um there's a lot of social awkwardness from Clark in this episode. And I think uh one of Tom Welling's best areas is which you would want, I guess, is the kind of, you know, uh grassroots farm boy Clark and how he's just very awkward in um you know, situations like in the big city and uh, you know, around this movie star. Yeah, exactly. He's just very like uncomfortable, and I think he just pulls it off really well. <laughs> it's just kind of. I always thought it was funny. Like Clark is a person who's always kind of awkward and slightly uncomfortable. He's like, but surrounded by attractive women. Yeah. Like, and he's just like, yeah, like, you know, he feels awkward. But I'm like, man, every time like you turn around, like you're surrounded by attractive women, and yet you always feel awkward and uncomfortable. I interpreted as him him being awkward in this episode was more due to the glitz and glamour of Hollywood as opposed to uh, being smitten. Well, like the scene where uh, they're they're in the barn yeah. and she's rehearsing a scene with him and she's really getting like into it and oh, yeah. like coming on to him and he's like ah oh, oh. she's like it's just part of the scene Clark he's like uh, yeah yeah and then Lana walks in and he's like hey Lana hey 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 Lana yes. Thank you, Lana, for showing up and saving me. You know, I I will say, in a rare case, props to Lana for not overreacting and completely misconstruing. Right. Like, because, like I, that would she, so happen in so many other shows. If she had done that, I feel like that would have been like a earlier season, Lana, but I think at this point it's not. But yeah, if she had done that, it just would have been like, seriously, like we're going to yeah, waste time you know, going isn't. down this. 
Clark's been fighting for you for years now and uh, and everything, and he wouldn't do that because he's Clark. And So, yeah, let's just give him the benefit of the doubt and move on. Yeah. Like, and uh, so I guess we'll go to – you know what? I'll just read out the rest of the synopsis because it really ties into our, final, our biggest point of discussion, which is – the commentary and the change and stuff, so I'll read out the rest. Uh, Clark's secret is uncovered by the attacker when he has witnessed stopping a bullet intended for Rachel. He attempts to kill Lana in hopes that her death will make Clark see his true destiny as Earth's saviour. So the reason of that, because the whole thing in Warrior Angel and... uh, There's even a quote here. Um, I know, it's like, the, the whole thing is to be the ultimate hero, you have to have no attachments and stuff. And the bad guy, obviously, he sees Clark. Oh, this is like the real-life warrior angel, you know. So, but he's not realizing his destiny. He's not going out and being a superhero. So he figures, I'll kill his girlfriend, and that will, you know, finally get him to become warrior. A super, yeah, superhero. Why, why, my thing is, why would he become a superhero? Like, if you brilliantly murdered his girlfriend, like... That might make him angry, and that might be what turns into a super villain. Hey, this is an injustice, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but my thing is, you know, oh, for him to truly well, be because... a hero, no attachment. I'm like, no, because then you're not really a hero. You're just a you're a force doing something. Well, this guy has a few screws. Reason. Oh, pff, that dude's Home Depot. Like, um, the whole thing is because it happened like this in the comics, it'll happen like this in real life. Is yeah, his logic? Uh, my thing is, if I have okay, Doctor Manhattan, like the one yeah. thing he struggles with later on in Watchmen is he has no attachment to humans, to Earth anymore, and he doesn't do things to save us because he just doesn't care anymore. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not what you want for Superman. You want him to care, but the only way you can care is you have to feel and you have to be attached and you have to have something to care about. And in this guy's mind, he wants him to be free of attachment. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. But so, like you said, he he rigs the prop gun with a he takes out the blank, puts a real bullet in. Yeah. So when they film the scene in Warrior Angel, the movie where the gun goes off, and in the comic, it would have killed her. And in this, it, you know, Warrior Angel, it's a blank, so he saves her. Yeah, saves her. Clark's standing to the side, and he hears the gun go off and uses his x-ray vision and sees the bullet. He runs by, catches it, and nobody sees it or notices. And the guy's standing there. Then he sees Clark to the side drop the bullet. Yeah. And that's how he's like, oh, my gosh. And this guy is, for all due credit, he does get a kind of, I don't want to say redemptive part, but something that's a little different to his character at the end. I would say it's redemptive. I mean... Okay, okay. I I will say it was, too, because it shows that he is kind of crazy, but he realizes something. And we'll we'll, we'll jump there. Yeah, Uh, I mean... Yeah, I guess we'll get there when we get there. But then, so he he realizes Clark. He basically calls Clark out, like, "You need to be our hero." And it's kind of one. It's kind of that that thing where, you know, Superman returns. 
where Lois is like, the world doesn't need a savior or a hero or a savior. Or, and he says, every day I hear them crying out for one. Yeah. Greatest shut up Lois moment ever. <laughs> and, oh, yes. So in a sense, this guy, he's, he is broken. He needs a hero. He needs somebody to look up to. He yeah. needs that. It's that fan fulfillment of, I believe in this, but this is fiction. And all of a sudden in real life, he's presented with what he wants as reality. Yeah. And he, and it's almost, you can compare this character. Um, Ben, I think is his name. He's the assistant on the movie set. Yeah. Um, and the idea of Mr. Glass from Unbreakable. Oh yeah. It didn't make that connection. Uh, you know, and I mean, that's, Definitely not the same, but the idea of just being you want to believe or like Definitely. you end up becoming a villain trying to get the hero to be the hero because you need the hero. Uh, so I'll just, I'll just put in right now, Unbreakable is a fantastic movie, everyone. Uh, Unbreakable? Yes. Not sure about Glass, cool. but Unbreakable is fantastic. <laughs> have, you, have you seen Glass? Unfortunately, I'm still divided, so I'll say nothing more than I respect Shyamalan for having his vision, sticking to it, and doing his thing. Maybe over some time, Glass will settle a little bit better. I tried not to have expectations going in, just because I feel like that's something you should have when you see a Shyamalan film, an original. Um, it, just, that's it, all I'm it was good until, like, I don't know. It, it, it can be a conversation <laughs> for another time, but like... That there was elements in that movie where he retread the, oh, are their powers actually real? It's like, well, we know they're real. Don't bother, because he did that the past two movies. You don't need to do it again. And then, like, that, it just, it was, it was going well, and then the ending just absolutely pooped its pants. Um, it's like one of those twists where it's like, oh, you well, either it love it, even the you twist, it, or you just set with it, like, oh, oh. It wasn't the okay. twist. It was what it was. What happened that bugged me, um, and I think like they got the composer for Split back instead of James Newton Howard. And I think that was a huge mistake because it, this... it, it's one of those films where if you're looking at a trilogy, Split and Glass feel really together, and Unbreakable is like the outlier. Yeah, and that sh- like... that should not be the case given the story. Kind of like how the Matrix trilogy is the first movie feels a little bit different yeah, because it was filmed and then they made the sequels back to back. So the sequels feel like one giant movie and the Matrix, the first one feels a little bit to the side. That's how that felt. Felt like Unbreakable is over here. Split and Glass are together. Because like it, Unbreakable was too important to the story and I think Split overshadowed it. And it did a disservice to the story because, you know, everything was set up in Unbreakable and they just didn't really do much with it. But, uh, yeah. anyway, you know, um, it had some good moments, so whatever. It wasn't, you know, Last Jedi awful, but, um, <laughs> it was still, you know, disappointing. Um, but like it, you know, I can still look at Unbreakable by itself, so. And the thing is, yeah. like, yeah, David Dunn, uh, I guess spoilers for Unbreakable, guys, it's, it's came out in 2000, so, you know, what Blast did show is that Unbreakable did become a hero for, like, 20 years, so, you know, there is that, at least. 
yeah, we didn't see anything. We just were told everything, but yeah. But at least, you know, it happened. <laughs> um, it didn't turn out he was, you know, just depressed and suicidal on a remote island, uh, you know, contemplating yep. killing his nephew. Um, complete character Deep. assassination. Uh, Deep. Yeah, Deep. I'm talking about Charlie's Angels, by the way. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that's back to Smallville. That, that's back kind to... of where, like, the idea of, like, he doesn't see himself as a villain. I mean, it's also, you know, Lex Luthor based. Yes. Where, where Luthor, you know, even though I stated earlier that Michael Rosenbaum's Luthor does make the character, I am the villain. Um, in most comics, Luthor never sees himself as the villain. Some he does, some he doesn't, but he sees himself as the hero and the alien as the villain. Yeah, even in the and old he, comics, he's... And he's the man of tomorrow. He's the real super man because he is a man. Yeah. He's a human. And he has done everything to make to elevate himself. Um, and there's a real, you know, just great discussion that can be done there that we'll just kind of breeze through. And there's but, no, they haven't done that in any of the live action movies. They've never used that angle for Luther, which is like one no. of his best angles. <laughs> and I, I really recommend you try to check out those Supergirl episodes with um, John Cryer. Yes, because the thing about John Cryer's Lex is. If you look at the character of Lex as like a career, this is the farthest into that Lex career we've ever seen. Okay. You know, R- Rosenbaum's the beginning. Um, Kevin Spacey, John Shea is kind of like the the amid, the middle of him and Clark, and this is like Lex and Clark after years of battling. Yeah. Uh, Lex has been imprisoned. Uh, he's been outed as being evil and everything. So it's like this is a different Lex in his yeah. criminal career. Um, so it gives some nice new pl- ground to play on. Um, and I, and I will say, like, I was surprised at how good Cryer was because I, you know, I didn't dis hate him going in, but I was like, okay. And it was surprising. Yeah. But this, this guy, you know, we see he kidnaps Lana. He throws her off a building. Clark saves her. And then we find out he's in Bell Rev. Yeah. And uh, so I'll point out that the guy is played by the same guy in Supernatural Season 2, Episode 4. God, Children shouldn't play with dead things. And it's the guy who resurrects his dead girlfriend. Yes. She turns out to be Uh, a homicidal zombie. (laughs) I mean, there there are so many parallels in Supernatural and in Smallville. Yeah. for those times that they were, you know, from Smallville season five to ten, when they're being filmed, you know, same time, there's so many actors, uh, crewmen, directors. Um, I had always wanted the episode of uh, Supernatural called "The Real Ghostbusters," where they're at the convention for the, the Supernatural yeah. books. I was like, man, could we have just gotten in the background? Tom Welling dressed as Sam. And Justin Hartley as Dean is just extra characters <laughs> in the back at the convention. How awesome would have been that? That would have been pretty they just, cool. They just walk them. They just walk by and kind of give each other like an odd look, like Clark and uh, Clark and Dean. You know, like they don't even have to say names. It doesn't have to be Clark. And, you know what I'm saying? But just just those actors. So you know they're on set close by. <laughs> yeah, I'm still like waiting just, for. It'll never happen. But man, I really wanted Mulder or Scully to show up on uh, Supernatural. 
like the oh. actors. I was waiting so long. Yeah, like there's so yeah. like why not? Like what's oh. she doing? Yeah, <laughs> but alas, if we talk about supernatural and missed opportunities. We'll be here a long time. So, oh my dude, <laughs> let, me go, let, let me go put on two pots of coffee yeah. because there, oh, there's a man. fan theory that I kind of subscribe to. But said Supernatural seasons one through five is the true story, and then six and beyond is that's, like that's not a fan universe. theory though, like because <laughs> like that's not a fan theory. We've heard Kripke wrote season five as the ending, yeah, and then the and network I, just I, renewed it. And I kind of subscribe to that, like the hardcore story of season one through five, and then above that is like expanded universe. It's fan because, fiction. It's, because they take it, they take it out here, and then in latter seasons, no spoilers. They kind of, I feel like they got new writers who are like, "Oh, guys, you you messed up. You should have talked about. We could have explored this storyline. So we're going to kind of try to fix that and bring it back." Ugh, um, just they just beat a dead horse, but badly. Like they, yes, yeah, yes. they should have been doing new things instead of rehashing the same plot lines that were done much better in the earlier seasons. Well, it's like it's like they had ideas and like, oh, well, let's hurry and get this done. Like, see, and I say season six because the mother of all monsters was an amazing idea. I think I think season six was actually good. I rewatched it oh. recently. It really, it's not as good as the first five, but it does suffer from coming after debatably the best season of the show and what was supposed yep. to be the conclusion. So it does suffer from that but if you take it by itself i think it's pretty good if you just oh, don't I agree. yeah and it, it's also crazy to think season five is great but then after that season you have 10 more years of the show and we talked about smallville you know being 10 years and having bad episodes you know supernatural is gonna be 15 mm. and most of the episodes past season six or seven are going to be bad. So more than half the show will be bad, which is a really depressing thought. Um, well, see, you know, we just, in overall season seven, I liked because it took a risk yeah. and changed, changed some things, killed off some characters. They that tried needed to, to be killed. Just, yes. <laughs> Bobby, back, back Bobby said, yeah. About characters out, outlasting their time. Exactly. Uh, and it, you know, and then season eight introduced the new elements like the bunker and stuff to try to put some new into the show. But back to Smallville. <laughs> yeah, back to Smallville. Um, this podcast is really called Tyler and Connor digress. Yeah, just talk about various things. <laughs> so yeah, we get that. Before we talk about, let's let's talk about this whole thing because you have. The commentary that some fans just take it way too far when they're in terms of adaptations of not just comic books but of any material, I suppose. Uh, and you know, because there has been things like death threats and stuff. Um, obviously, no one's gone this crazy, but you know, he's this is a guy who's gone too far. And on the other hand, having the girl live. As they say, as Lex says, looks like Hollywood went for the happy ending because it's such a Hollywood change to make. Like, just gut the story, you know, for mm -hmm. the happy ending. Um, and I'm not siding with Ben. Like, I'm not. I'm just. It, it is a really like they don't. They don't make Hollywood look good. Like that, it's mm -hmm. a pretty lame change that they do. Um, 
I, you know, my thought is, I feel like you can write a story, write a story, write a story, but when you go to make a film version, because it it's to a larger audience, there's more behind it. It becomes iconic that you want it to be the truest form of your character. You don't want your movie to stand as like an oh that's the Elseworld version of this yeah. character. You want that to be like that is Superman or yeah. that is Warrior Angel's story. And you know fans get mad when they change things mm. because they want that true form of the character, and it's that that line of well, do you want us to do this story, our own story with the character, or, or like an adaptation? Um, you know, I think it's it's easier to see, like, say, um, looking at – I'm looking at my DVDs here. I have The Death of Superman that just came out last year. Yeah. You know, that's an adaptation of the story. It's not the exact comic story, but the, the, the larger beats and emotional impact is there. Yeah. But it's it, – but if I were to pull out the comic, it's not page for page. No. But then look at Watchmen. Where the movie is almost page for page, there are some changes. Mm. Uh, it's still an adaptation, but it's very true to the source material. And it's like, do I want to go into something knowing everything? Like, well, he's going to fall in love with Lois here. If this is here, um, or is it going to be like they're going to give us like with a show? The story is going to be spanned out over seasons. So yeah. it's not going to be str- – like we're going to get to – supposedly we're going to get to our status quo. So that's where like you know this fan is like that I want my warrior angel. This is supposed to be his story. This is what made this character. It'd be um, you know, like if they made a Superman movie and he lands and he's not found by the Kents or they both – the Kents die when he's like 10. You know, yeah. it's like, wait, that's that. No, because that doesn't work because that's not how he's raised. He needs both of them yeah, to there's raise those, him. There's those core beats that make up the character. And if if yeah. if Warrior Angel's girlfriend dying is such a pivotal moment for his character, I understand why the fan would be outraged. Yeah, but oh, totally, but me going, too. But going to the extreme of let's murder the actress yeah. on set. Um, so that everyone will understand. No, that's psychotic, bro. I mean, as that... like I think Clark. This is I think Clark says. Uh, someone says this um, to him. A warrior angel wouldn't kill someone. <laughs> yeah, and it's like I have. Uh, I've seen some really abhorrent behavior from Superman fans. Um. You know, like, at each other's throats and stuff. And I remember uh, when Zack Snyder's daughter passed, you know, people were like, oh, she saw the movie and then did it. Or people were saying, you know, he deserves it because of the movies. And it's like, guys, I get you don't like this movie or you think it tarnishes Superman, but why don't you act like the character that you love so much instead of acting like... You know what I mean? An a-hole. Like, straight up. No matter what you think of his his movie, his interpretation, you don't insult the man for having his daughter just commit suicide. Like, that is, that is 
that is Davilicus behavior. That yeah, and that's people say really not like Superman fans say really nasty things to each other and nasty things like that. And it's like you love this character so much, why wouldn't you try to be more like them? It really boggles the mind, <laughs> you know, because that's that's such a big aspect of being like of liking Superman is that he's supposed to be what we can all be, right? Right. But you're a, you're a huge Superman fan. You're acting like this, really. Like, you know, I, I really don't like Tyler Hoechlin, but I do not wish ill on anyone who likes him or Tyler himself, you know? Like... You, you know, the thing is, there's some kid out there who their first Superman will be Tyler, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, he's not a bad Superman, he's just not my Superman, hmm. you know? There's... But for some kid out there, that's going to be their Superman who, years later, will be talking about the character. But yeah, my the, the Superman that connected with me when I was a child was Tyler's. And just like, you know, I for the longest time, all we had were the Chris films. Yeah, a uh, very long time. <laughs> you know, we, we couldn't – there was no other TV. There was no um, – any other, you know, medium that had him. Now, we, we you know, we live in a spot where you could be exposed to several different – like, you know, in the same year we had BVS and Tyler appear on screen. Yeah. So, you know, a child could have been exposed to both – of these supermen at the same time. Uh, so it makes, you know, I think because we have such a market for things and we have multiple things, people are a little bit now more critical mm. because they're like, Oh, I hate this Spider-Man. Just reboot it. And then we get Tom Holland as Spider-Man. You know what I'm saying? Like it's God, like, that, that, Oh, I don't, I don't like too this. quick. That reboot, <laughs> but I understand that reboot. Um, you know what I'm saying? But the idea is, yeah. Uh, the idea is now we're just like, oh, I don't like this. Reboot it. It's not like, oh, let's 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 be glad that we're getting our character. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, as you know, I run an Iron Fist podcast, and to say that the Iron Fist shows were divisive would be an understatement. My lord, I that was. For an Iron Fist fan who liked the shows, it was absolute torture. But um, you can't like anything anymore. When the like, it's it's ridiculous. Like you can't like it because then someone's like, "Oh yeah, you like that crap." Yeah. Uh yeah. Like yeah. When Iron Fist got cancelled, I saw a lot of people saying, "Yes, now we can get a reboot," and I'm like, "This is Iron Fist." It's not Superman and Batman. What makes you think Iron Fist is going to get a reboot? People are taking this for granted so much. Yes. It's like they're not appreciating, you know, like, it's it just boggles my mind. I'm like, you just want it to keep getting rebooted? This is Iron Fist. He's a freaking C-lister. Well, B-lister now, but, you know, we're not going to no, get an Iron Fist reboot. <laughs> it's just, I mean, that's, you know, think about, you know, the reason we got Arrow was because it's a, it was a way of doing a pseudo Batman show. Yeah. With a, with a character that had gained enough interest from small that people might be actually interested in it, but not enough that people are going to be, oh my gosh, you're doing this character horrible. Yeah. Because it was like, oh wow, we're getting a Green Arrow show. But now the atmosphere is completely different. Exactly. Now we're like, Man, you screwed up. Just reboot it. Yeah. And it just, and it just does not work like that. Well, sometimes it does, I guess, with Spider-Man. But, you know. Well, um, well 
Spider-Man, you know, because Marvel got involved. They exactly. Like, okay. That was more companies and stuff. Um, but yeah, we just – the fandom is just – instead of being excited, like we got – you know, a Superman project. Oh, let's let's all rally behind it and be excited. That, you know, oh, okay, it wasn't what I wanted, but you know, there are good aspects to the Superman. Now we're just like, it's crap. Reboot. Yeah, it's reboot. Yeah, it's just like, and, and, and I, mean, I mean, they don't they don't help the market when you have blah 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 cast as Batman on Titans. Uh, blah 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 is going to be. Batman in the last episode of Gotham. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Cast it in. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Because so many of, different ones running around. Of of the Batman just cast. Um, Matt Reeves' Batman just cast. It's gonna shoot. You know. And you're like, wow, that's like four people that just were cast as Batman and yeah, different projects. That is you're Batman just, though. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I'm saying like the same. Yeah, thing I know what you're saying. Easier yeah. when like every we turn around like Warner Brothers developing Supergirl movie. Warner, and we're like, oh, we just got our Supergirl TV show. Warner Brothers now developing movie based on Teen Titans. Yeah. Oh, we just got the Titans show. Like, yeah. They're, yeah, they're not helping it by no throwing out more stuff. But the, the whole thing is just depressing, quite frankly. <laughs> you're um, going to ruin it so that then nobody's going to want to back any of these properties anymore. Yeah, and we're going to back in because like when Smallville is out, we were all just happy, like. You know, you kind of rally. I remember thinking, all... "This is back to simpler times. This is just this is just a Superman TV show." You know, there was no huge controversies. There was no like a million TV shows springing up or anything. It was just like a simpler, happier time. <laughs> and that's that's one thing I love about watching like Smallville and then even Lewis and Clark. You're just like you can watch them with such joy and reverence now because they're done. They're over. Time has passed. They're, you're not in the thick of it listening to some of the toxic fans. Yeah. And, you know, with Smallville, like, we wanted spinoffs. We wanted other things from it. But we're happy we had it. You know, it was it was what we had at the time. Yeah. And, and then, you know, I remember, I remember kids, take a seat, when we might get <laughs> one comic book movie a year, and we were all, like, pumped. Like, oh my gosh, we were going to get this. We, you know, it's like, oh, we're getting Batman Begins in 2005. <gasps> 2006, we get an X-Men and a Superman movie. <gasps> now we're like, all right, we got three Marvel films this yeah, year. Oh, two man, it's crazy. Sony's going to throw us this one. And then we got this other outlier over here. We've got like seven coming up this year. Okay. Do you remember uh, the hype behind Man of Steel coming up to release? Oh, yeah, dude. Madness. I, and I still look at that film as like the just that whole build up because it was so important like just stuff that was going on in my life personally mm. uh my wife and i were going through some tough times with uh it was a hard movie to watch because we had actually had a miscarriage and the baby which oh. would have been born around the time of man of steel's release because i because i made jokes with my wife that it, if it was born on the weekend that it opened we should name the baby clark and she was like no no but it's um, a great idea but you know, and so we, it, it just, um, and then you know that movie just uh, it came yeah, out. Very... It had so much hype. Um, you know, Superman again, and just it was just a big time. And it, you know, it was originally supposed to be out in 2012, but yep. they pushed it to 13, which is smart because they had you know the Dark Knight Rises, and they didn't have like anything 
major for 2013 and give it that big summer release. Mm. Um, so it was just, I, it was a lot going on in my life personally that aided to just the hype and this, the, what that movie meant to me at the time. And I think, I think that's the thing about solo Superman movies for me is they seem to always come at a changing point at a point in my life where I need them. Um, the same yeah. thing with Superman Returns when it came out where I was in my life. I can safely say I didn't need Superman Returns, but I'm glad someone needed it. Um, well, I, I mean, you know, it's one of those things like you look, you were, Superman Returns is really good for an argument to just being that we were so excited and so happy to have Superman back on the big screen. Yeah. That when I watched it the first time, I really loved it. And then I saw it like a couple more times and I liked it. And I was like, man, it could have been this. But then when like that, uh, uh, mm-hmm. when that initial, like, sorry, my throat's dry, uh, oh. like nostalgia, joy, and just uh, reimmersement of Superman being everywhere again kind of faded, and you got to kind of see that movie for that movie. Not everything that was like, not yeah. the emotions, not the hype, not the joy of seeing it in the cinema again, not uh, you know going to the store and they had this big section in the middle of the aisle for everything Superman. You're kind of like, ah, oh, this this goes back to man. Like I'm glad I got Superman, but. This isn't really what I wanted. Mm. And that's kind of what back to this guy's like ideas, you know, and f- fans is like we 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 feel so much ownership towards our characters and their stories that we feel like yeah. we can dictate how it should be done and not look at, you know, like this past week you walk into a comic shop, there sits, you know, Frank Miller's new Elseworld Superman Year One book. Mm. There's last week's Superman book. Same character, two different writers, two different interpretations. Yeah, constantly. But if that was two, but if that was two different movies, we would be pissed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That there's a lot more importance put onto movies, as you said. It's because movies try and make them the definitive version. You know, a lot of people view it that way as well. Um, like my my definitive Superman isn't a movie Superman. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll always be that uh, Kurt Swan drawn Clark Kent running around the Daily Planet <laughs> and everybody has their own you know yeah. Superman yeah um, and that's you know the importance is what character what version everything reference you and none is less value yeah you know people we talked about you know toxic fans like people it's like sometimes I feel like people are afraid to admit, to admit like man I really enjoyed Henry Cavill. I'd be like, what? How dare you? Yeah. Like, why? Why? That's not Superman. You're like, uh, yeah, it is. It, like, it is. He yeah. Has, it, you know, and if you've read a lot of the comics, you'll see like the validity to that. It Definitely. might not be. You might not be what you wanted. But it's a valid interpretation. Yeah, you just wanted something different on the big screen, and I can understand that. But you shouldn't hate. Because your hate is not going to make them want to reboot or do anything. It's going to make them want to just stop. Yeah, which is which is why we've had no Superman news since Justice League. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, but, you know... So the, so the last scene... Let's, we'll get to the last scene before we digress anymore. Yes, uh, is, Lex, right? 
Lex comes yeah. and visits um, the man in prison, and he's at Bell Rev. Mm. <clears throat> and he brings some Warrior Angel comics. And Super the kid, yes, that is excited, but it's in this moment that the guy realizes that Lex is Davilicus. Yep. And it's a really great scene because mm. when he realizes that Lex is Davilicus, he puts down the comics and moves away from him and just kind of curls up in the corner because Lex is basically saying, like, you can have these if you just tell me who it was. Why you know basically like who's this who's this hero that yeah. you saw or whatever and it's in that moment that he decides that he is not going to rat out his hero. Um, he's not going to betray this newfound uh, trust he has in Clark as a hero yeah. to the to the villain. It's kind of he's he's putting you know what's actually important about warrior angel so to speak before his actual like for the you know because he rejects the super rare comics and stuff and he's like you know this is actually something really important yeah um, it's a really nice and moment it is i mean i highly recommend this episode just because there's the, those i mean the two most like pivotal like emotional scenes are uh, Lex base these in two small scenes, and then <laughs> we kind of skipped over uh, the the other like non important thread is Lois Lane trying to write an article for the oh, Daily right. Planet. Yeah, forgot about that. <laughs> and her editor Grant Gabriel, um, basically just turning her stuff down, and because she because she writes the uh, story about Lionel. You know, being found after being kidnapped and yeah, everything. And my wife points out to me, she's like, you know, the one thing I don't like about the show is no woman is going to just in this like she's looking at the setting of the Daily Planet is going to be wearing just running around wearing just a tank top like <laughs> that. She's like, that's not believable. She's like, maybe if they were on the farm, like in its hot. I can see it, but everybody's wearing suits and like business attire. Yeah. Here's Lois in this bright red tank top <laughs> and je- and tight jeans. She's like, yeah, they're uh, no, yeah, no way you shop to work in the Daily Planet and that. And I agree. I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm not a fan sometimes of how over sexualized they dress all the women on this show. Hmm. Um, with Lois, uh, Kara, Lana, Gosh. especially. I think- Especially, I think, Lo- uh, Lois. Oh, totally. Uh, Some of the stuff they put her in <laughs> is um, ridiculous. Um, so, but yeah, and then Grant, Grab- Grant Gabriel. Is it me or is Grant's acting really bad? Uh, I I want to say his acting's bad, but I want to know if that's on purpose. Like, mm. just based on the character, what we... Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a really funny moment where Lois sneaks into Lex's office and Lex is just there the whole time. And it, it was a great little, you know, it's a great little part. But, you know, it's it's another one of those little, like we said, little storylines that 
that that's kind of your connection to the rest of the season series. Yeah. And the Warrior Angel movie is self-contained. Yep. Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, that, that, that's, that's pretty much the episode. Um, oh yeah. And, uh, there is actually Chloe, uh, Chloe and a couple of other people, I think make good points to Clark is like, this crazy guy is right in one way that you should be a hero. Like you should be a superhero. You know, you, you should put yourself out, out of the there. shadows. Yeah. yeah like you're, you're, you're helping people, but you know, you could do so much more than just help and be on this farm. Yeah. And uh, we do have some feedback from Ray, because uh, while Ray couldn't be here, he uh, made sure he left his thoughts, which is uh, pretty awesome. So this is also Ray's first episode of Smallville, I might add. This is his introduction to the show. So I'll just uh, read out the email. Hey, Connor L. and Tyler, a.k.a. Superman Blue. I'm watching Smallville episode right now, which you will no doubt be thoroughly reviewing, and I just wanted to drop my thoughts for the show. Having never seen one single episode of Smallville, I must admit that placing it into the context of when it originally aired has enhanced my enjoyment of the show. If this episode is indicative of the series, then by all accounts it looks to be quite an enjoyable series, even more so than some of the current shows out there in TV land. I didn't know what to expect with this episode, but about halfway in, it's a stroke of genius. Hats off to... Either or both Connor and Tyler for choosing this one, as I really did enjoy the theme of the overzealous comic book fans. The moment the exposition was revealed with Clark and Lana discussing the Warrior Angel Forum, a small grin escaped my lips at this delicious take on extreme fandom. The acting is solid for the type of show it is, and I also enjoyed what seems to be a running thread of Lana Luther and an almost misery-like predicament. You can't beat Kathy Bates, but the bear trap on his hand was a nice touch. Uh, other points of notes I have to raise. <coughs> Sorry. Every time I see Chloe, I can't help but think uh, of the kinky sex cult. John Glover is cool. I like him in Shazam, like him in this. Didn't know Iceman, Sean Ashmore, was in Smallville. I liked seeing Lois Lane in the show as well. Uh, is Supergirl a regular cast member? Is it just me, or do you dig how an episode can be about comic fandom? Love it. Is Warrior Angel a real character? And can you even autopsy a car? All the best with this show, and I hope to be back behind the mic soon. Take care, Ray. Well, so uh, a few things there. Um, glad you enjoyed the episode, Ray. It was Tyler's choice. Um, it, it was a very fun take on Extreme Fandom. And uh, yeah, I, I mean... I prefer, I still prefer Smallville to a lot of the Superman show, uh, superhero shows that are out right now. I think I do too. I do too. And a lot of it's because I feel like the stuff now is like trying to be too commentative of the world we live in. And it's, it's some of it's lost some of the fun. Yeah. And I think that goes back to what we said, where we can watch it now and like, Oh, just see it for the enjoyment it is. Yeah. And not, we're not trying to like analyze it. We're not trying to, um, place it in the world we live in. Like, oh, what are they really saying in this episode? Yeah. Uh, we're just watching it for the comic book enjoyment? Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. And I think the show, you know, it's pretty good quality. I don't think it's really been beat 
yet for what it did, you know, because it also had a little cinematic universe of its own. Like, it didn't have other shows, but, like, a lot of the other DC superheroes are present yes. in the show. And Especially, uh, I mean, season four is our first uh, impulse. In season five, we get Aquaman and Cyborg. Season yeah. six is Green Arrow. And then they start, you know, they start spring. I think, is it season seven that gets the first Black Canary? Yeah. And then season eight, I'm trying to remember who who or if who appears in season eight. Because like, then you get the Legion. Legion shows up in season eight, a couple members of it, and Zatanna, I think, in season yeah. eight. And, like, you never got, you never got this much of the other characters any live-action TV show before this, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was the closest really be the Lou Frignum, uh, Hulk. Uh, but like this show, it had so many characters from DC Universe, and like to this date, I think the crossovers have been done better than most current ones because I don't know, just seeing seeing like the Justice League in this show and everything, it was just awesome, and it still yeah. is. Like I didn't watch this as it aired, I watched this I think three years ago. I watched the whole series. Um, so I'd already mm-hmm. seen some of the new shows that are currently coming out. I've already experienced the cinematic universes by that point, Avengers and stuff. But watching this show, I got goosebumps and stuff from some of the major team up, seeing like Doctor Fate show up and everything. Like I just think this show, you know, has can uh, still stand up in a lot of those respects and is uh, still the king, I suppose. Um, yeah, that's just me. no. I I agree. You know. Um... I feel like there was maybe more caution taken when introducing characters in this show. Mm. And we could break down. I think it'd be fun to do an episode, honestly, where we look at like the Smallville version and then other versions of different characters. Cause I mean, you know, we, we get some members of the suicide squad in yeah. Smallville and stuff like that. Like it'd be interesting to kind of break down like Deadshot. you know, you get Deadshot in Smallville. Then we got him in the Arrowverse, and then we got the movie. Yeah. Um, you know, looking at characters and stuff like that, because uh, Smallville did some characters really great, some okay, but that's the the enjoyment of yeah. television, I guess, is, you know, they're not all going to be perfect, and, you know, we've gotten a lot of stuff now, and I feel like some characters don't take, they might not take as much caution and time with the character mm. as Smallville did to try to give us a really good interpretation or version. Um, and with this season, season seven, in particular, I didn't get to watch it as it aired. I, uh, at this point, I was in college and I didn't have TV and I was busy. So I just bought them when they would drop in the fall after the season would air on DVD. I just buy the collected DVD, you know, season and then watch it all. And I watched this season, like, you know, right before season eight premiered. And, you know, it's kind of interesting watching it all together instead of weekly. It definitely gives you a different perspective on the show than having it spaced out. Mm. Um, but it is season seven is the weirdest of any of Smallville seasons just because of the shortness and then the storyline. And I think bringing Supergirl in was odd before yeah. you get Superman. And that's a thread that even carries into season 10. Um, just I think her being there was weird because, you know, you have her as this fully formed Kryptonian can fly and all this. And 
Yeah. I don't, I don't think they ever made a good distinction of making Clark what made him Superman better than her Supergirl, especially in season 10, but we could, that's a discussion for another day. Yeah. Yeah. As for Chloe and kinky sex cult, uh, if you've seen our arrest photos, she doesn't look that kinky. <laughs> Jeez, that is, that is just something that's, it's crazy because like, it's hard to separate, like it's hard to watch Smallville and not think about that um, sometimes, but sometimes mm. I don't even think about it just because I've seen Smallville so much more that it's just it yeah. these, but then it's like, man, I love Chloe in the show, and I'm like, man, like, because, you know, you want your actors to be good people. You do, these and char- it sucks when these they're characters. not. You know, and then it's, it sucks when they're not, and then you're like, man, this actor's horrible, but I like this character, but you're like, man, yeah. this actor sucks. I mean, I've, I've, I find it pretty easy separating the two, Um, but that's just me, I guess. Like, as I've said before, my favorite directors are in Polanski, so I'm quite adept mm. at separating the person from their, you know... Work. Yeah, exactly. And I, um, I get that. I mean, my thing was also, like, when I watched the show at first, like, I was like, man, Clark, leave Lana. Just go out with Chloe. Like, <laughs> I was like, Chloe's the, the girl you should be with, Clark. And then Lois showed up, and I was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> go off to Lois. Go off to the big cousin. It, um, I was like, yeah, yeah. Forget Lana. Dude. Leave that. Walk away. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah, I didn't know Iceman was in it till you pointed it out. Actually, uh, Sean Ashmore was Jimmy Olsen, right? Yep. Yeah. And so. his brother is in an earlier season as a villain. His twin brother. Oh really? Dad. Huh. He's in. He appears in season. I want to say he's in season five in an episode, but then he appeared in like season three. Okay. As a or two, like he's a. I'm trying to remember what one it was. Yeah, I'm just like he's twin brother. Yeah, so <laughs> kind of like he appeared earlier, maybe I guess. Um, so, but yeah, it's funny because Jimmy Olsen's supposed to be such a goofy character, and he is kind of goofy. I was... They do a really good version of Jimmy, of making him like goofy, lovable, young, but yet still serious when he needs to be. Yeah, I still didn't like Jimmy that much, but that's me and Jimmy Olsen in general. I'm not a huge Jimmy guy. Um, Jimmy's a he's an interesting character in <laughs> yes. the sense of like where do you take him like do you make him how much younger than Clark do you make him because he's turn him into a giant monster uh, yeah you do crazy things um, with him <laughs> do you make him like a kid you know that looks up to him or do you make him like oh you know I think every version of Jimmy is completely like worth analyzing like I would mm. I would love to like dig back into that like we, I've had that conversation. Years ago, when my podcast first started, when they were about to launch Supergirl, the show, we looked at Jimmy Olsen. But, you know, we've gotten. A very different more... Jimmy in uh, Supergirl. Yes, we've gotten more. We've gotten Jimmy in different. And it was also like, you know, the, the person I was discussing things with when I first started that podcast. Um, he's not around anymore because he's an a hole. But you can cut that if you want. But. <clears throat> <laughs> I'd if like you want me to cut it, I will. Um, otherwise, I I'm lazy. Okay, cool. <laughs> Are those episodes um, still up? Those first ones of them? I think so. I, okay. And I'll just say, like, I was learning, so the quality is like poor. Like, I didn't have a oh, great mic. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was a learning curve. Like, I've you know evolved as it over is. Time. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Jimmy is there. But all right, anything else? Like, 
we're kind of we could keep going forever. Um, so <laughs> I will say, uh, no, Warrior Angel is not a real character. Um, it's made up for Smallville to be that allegory of Lex and Clark. Yeah. And uh, can you autopsy a car? Uh, yes. If you're Lex, yes. Well, I mean, you like you take it apart to figure out exactly what happened in the accident and stuff. It's kind of like airplane crashes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they autopsy airplanes, so yeah. Well, um, we've gone on over time, so. <laughs> Uh, but we, I hope you enjoyed a lot of our discussions, a lot of our tangents. Uh, we talked about pretty much everything. Um, yeah. So, uh, thank you very much, Tyler, for coming on. Uh, tell Are everyone about your podcast and where people can find you and stuff. As we've said, I do a podcast that covers all things Superman, Supergirl, Kryptonian related. We just, uh, you know, Krypton season two just launched, so we're discussing that. It's called the Krypton Report. You can find us anywhere podcasts are available online, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just, you know, search for Krypton Report. And you can find me personally. Um, I monitor all that, but also at JTY Patrick on Twitter, uh, Facebook, all that good stuff. Cool. I'll, I'll put all that in the show notes as well. Um, so go check them out, uh, especially, you know, if you're watching Supergirl on Krypton and everything, because they cover every episode. So. Uh, yeah. Um, I, for one, am looking, because Ray's watched, I think, the first episode of Krypton, and he says it's very good as well, so I'm looking forward to watching that after Doom Patrol. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, uh, yeah, just, we'll, we'll talk later. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll do something. All right, well, until next time, everyone, uh, yeah. If you get if you get a cape for a gift, don't just hang it on your fence and leave it there. I feel like I should take my Superman cape outside and put it on my fence and just <laughs> when it's next next time it's a windy day, I'm gonna do that and just take a picture. <laughs> you should. It's kind of a it's kind of a like I get the imagery, like it's cool, but like man, that's kind of a D move, Clark. Like that's a that was, Yeah, gift, that's man. what I took away from it. That's a gift and you're just putting on your dirty farm fence and just leaving it there. Like but I totally get the imagery because he's wearing a blue shirt and everything. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, until next time, do that. See ya. Superman and all other characters in these comics are properties of DC. Any images or music we use are properties of their respective copyright holders. We are doing this for fun and not making money off it, so please don't sue us. You can contact us at lskpodcast at gmail.com and find us on our Libsyn, lskpodcast.libsyn.com, our Twitter, at lskpodcast, our Facebook page, Last Sons of Krypton, a Superman podcast. And last but not least, thank you everyone for listening.